Greetings and salutations to everybody out there in podcast land. This is the Judo Chop Suey Podcast. And I'm your host, Judo Dave Roman. I'd like to welcome you all to the very best English-speaking Judo podcast in the world today. I'm the only active English-speaking Judo podcast in the world today. Which also means I'm the worst English-speaking Judo podcast in the world today. I'm back after a one-week hiatus. Did you miss me? Did you miss me? Oh, yeah? Well, same to you, buddy. See what I did there? No matter how you answered that question, my response works either way. How are you all doing today? I'm doing great. My father and his wife visited me and my family last weekend. Uh, The weekend is normally when I can record the podcast and it just simply was not going to be possible last week so or last weekend so that's why there was a hiatus it just with my father coming in town and and family over it would have been rude for me to not only do a podcast but to spend a few hours doing the editing as well uh family first is my motto and it's probably the motto of about 7 billion people on this planet i've got lots to get to in this podcast and lots of items to talk about Uh, So much has been going on since my last podcast. What happened, you may ask? It's, it was my birthday. I am officially 42 years old. So all of you feel free to wish me a happy belated birthday. In case you don't know, there's a two-week statute of limitations for birthday wishes. So it's proper to send me a birthday wish via my Twitter which is at La Vida Judoka, my Facebook page, which, is, which can be found by searching on Judo Chop Sui, or my new show-specific email address, which is show at gmail.com. I tried to create judochopsui at gmail.com, but would you believe that it was already taken? You bastard! I was stunned, to be honest. I think somebody may be trying to shake me down in the future for some money. Who knows? Uh, speaking of email... I would like to offer you guys, the listener, a way to participate on this show. You know, there's always just sending me an email and reading it on the, and I can read it on the air, if you want to call this the air, I can read it on the podcast, but if you want to ask me a question or express an opinion on anything Judah related, you could send it to me and I'll read it on the air. But I was thinking about this the other day and what I think would be really fun, well, you know, fun to me, is... If you guys sent me a voice memo, a voice memo that can be included in the podcast. So this is what I'm thinking for all of you all, for all of you out there that have a smartphone, what you can do is most of these phones have a voice memo feature. So what I, what you can do is record yourself talking about whatever you want, whether it's a question, whether it's a comment on the show whether you want to call me a stupid mother son of a piece of know-it-all. It doesn't matter. Record a voice memo, send it to judochopsuishow at gmail.com, and I'll play it on the air and you can hear me respond. Maybe you'll make me laugh. Maybe you'll make me angry. I doubt you'll make me angry. I, I don't get rattled that easily. But I would love to read it on, or, or play it on the air and react accordingly. And I think that would be a lot of fun. It'd be a new way 
or a different way to interact with some of you listening out there. And I know there's a lot of you listening out there. Well, maybe not a lot compared to other podcasts, but there's there's quite a number of people listening out there. So it'd be a great way for you guys to interact with a sh- with the show in a different way, and you could get you get to hear your voice on the only English speaking judo podcast in the world today, at least the only active one. You get to hear your voice on there and and be part of the show. And I think that would be a lot of fun. I'd love to hear from you guys. If you don't want to send me a voice memo, that's okay too. But I think it would be a lot of fun. I'd love to hear from you guys in this way and love to include you on the podcast. I was just talking about the amount of listeners that I've had on the show. And I want to report that this esteemed podcast has recently reached a milestone. I have had over a thousand downloads between the stats showing on Podbean and between YouTube downloads. Now, maybe some of those downloads, you listen to me for about five or 10 seconds, you just decide this guy sucks. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I might not argue with you on that. But to me, what does this mean? Absolutely nothing. Other than the fact that I never believed for one second that this podcast would ever have over a thousand downloads in about a 35 day window. I just, I'm just stunned by the amount of interest and I feel uh, very appreciative that my efforts here have not gone unnoticed. I've received a lot of feedback on the show, some constructive criticism, and I, I love constructive criticism because it, it allows me to shape the show in a way that benefits you, the listener. And and that's what's important to me. It's important for me to be able to pro- provide judo-specific content and do so in a way that is not alienating anybody. So I am very thankful for the responses, the encouragement, the positive feedback. Some of you have each reached out to me via email directly. I thank you very much for that. I, I greatly appreciate it. I From the bottom of my heart, I, I really appreciate that. I salute you. I give you a a very deep bow and express some gratitude to you. We are exactly two weeks away from the Paris Grand Slam. It is the first major IJF event of the new year. And I'm really looking forward to it. This is going to be, over the past couple of podcasts, this is going to be... um, the first real test of the new rules implemented by the International International Judo Judo Federation. And I'm very curious to see, well, not only who's going to win, but how the matches look. Unlike the the Tunis Open, I I didn't watch that. I I wasn't all that interested in that particular event because a lot of them the champions and the major players were not there. But for the Paris Grand Slam, it's going to be a huge event. It's the first major event of the year. I already said that. And I am looking forward to seeing the athletes and how they um, react to the new rules and what the matches actually look like. The IJF does a very good job putting on the matches live on Ipon.tv. I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it live. I hope I can. I will try and clear my schedule so that I can watch it live. But I just don't know how that's going to work. Um, you know, especially in two weeks, I'm taking my wife to a to a show at the local Strass Center. Maybe some of you have heard it. It's called Wicked. And then I'm going to a 
a, uh, a, a, a live theater performance put on by a friend of mine. So my, that weekend is going to be full, but I'm going to have, I am definitely going to make time to watch all of the key matches in that event, especially from the quarterfinals up, because I am very interested to see who wins. Um, I'm very interested to see how the Olympic champions are going to perform in this event. My main man, Fabio Basile, I'm really curious to see how he uh, how he defends his Olympic championship. Well, he doesn't have to defend it, but I'm curious to see how he's going to get off to a strong start in the year because I follow him on Instagram, I admit it. And hey, he's out there doing the doing the tour, making television appearances. Uh, having a great time, and I'm sure he's training hard. I'm curious to see how well he does, along with a lot of the all of the other Olympic champions. So I'm really looking forward to that event. All that being said, this podcast is not going to focus on what's going on in the IJF and the judo world. I want to talk about something that has weighed very heavily on my mind over the past several years. I know, again, over the past couple episodes on the Judo Shop Suey podcast, I've talked a lot about the IJF, the competitors, the rule changes, the people who run Judo, etc., etc. A lot of my podcast has been dedicated to Judo at the highest level. But for this particular podcast, I want to talk about Judo at the local level. And what I mean the local level, I'm talking about club level Judo. I've said it many times. I am a recreational judoka. I'm just your local judo club shodan. And there's no shame in that. Even though there are people out there who who kind of, you know, tilt their nose up at recreational club level judo. You know, and and it that mindset frustrates me a bit. I remember years ago uh, when I was training with my my uh, the the coach and the sensei that I spent the most amount of time with, he, you know, he once told me that you know if you're doing judo, you know, two three times a week, you're you're really just recreational, and he said it in a way as if being recreational was a bad thing. And I remember at the time because at the time I was training maybe five days a week at least at the club, and then doing my own training at home. But I remember thinking to myself at the time, well, I'm not really a competitor. I'm I'm 33 going on 34 years old and I have no future in this as a competitor. And I think his point of view was maybe at the time he was talking about club level judo as just, you know, just people hanging out and getting together and doing judo. But I think that's a good thing. I, I think being a recreational judoka is a good thing you don't have to be a competitor to be involved in judo and perhaps what i'm about to talk about or what i'm going to talk about this doesn't apply in the country that you live in but i want to talk about my experiences in the united states at the limited amount of clubs that i've been at but i do want to talk about my experiences and my impressions on judo in the united states I would like to start by saying that, in my opinion, judo is one of the best recreational activities out there today. 
And unfortunately, not too many people know about it. I know that there are other countries in the world where judo is a big deal. That is certainly not the case in the United States. And I think it's a shame. I think more people should be exposed to judo. I have been bringing my sons to judo when they're with me because I want them to do judo because I want them to develop physical skills and conditioning that I really believe only judo can develop. Judo is a unique form of physical exercise that is unique to any of the other sports out there in the United States that are popular. You know, I'm talking about baseball, basketball, football, even some of the individual sports out there like diving and swimming. Those things are more popular in Florida. But what I feel about judo and what I think about judo is that judo is a martial art that develops balance, coordination, agility, confidence, self-esteem, and real toughness in my opinion. Yes, there are other sports that develop all of these attributes, but I also happen to believe that judo is unique when it comes to to the principles that guide judoka. Most specifically, I'm talking about mutual welfare and benefit, which when it comes to sport judo, or when it comes to sports in the United States, a lot of athletes are told you must defeat your opponent, you must humiliate your opponent, you know, you got to go, you, you, you got to be the best, you got to be number one. And I think a lot of that kind of a mindset is anti-judo within judo. It's, there is always, there's always going to be room for competitors in judo or in anything out there. There's, there are people that compete at rock, scissors, paper, or compete at Monopoly. And I really feel that as an activity, judo should aspire to be something more than what it is today. Because when people think of judo, they think of it as an Olympic sport, which when people think of sports in general, they don't think about, they or, or what I should say is that they think about young people who are athletes that compete at a sport to try and win a medal or a trophy or an award. And it's something that they do when they're young because once they hit 30, their physical abilities start declining and their careers are over. That's how a lot of sports are in real life. And that's how a lot of sports are in the United States that you have a shelf life and once you're done, that's it. You become a coach or you retire and you don't really ever do it again at, at any level. But judo, it should not be this way. And I feel that a lot of the focus on winning and losing within judo and the focus on competition, I think will harm, is, has harmed judo and will continue to harm judo over the long run. And I'm going to touch more into depth on that, but most judoka out there are familiar with the word or the term within judo called jita kyoye, 
which is roughly translated mutual prosperity. And we also coined, use the term mutual welfare and benefit. However, most judoka are less familiar with another term, and that's called jundo seisho. According to the Kodokan, this is roughly translated as accordance to the way overcomes winning. And by the way, in this instance, they're talking about judo principles. So in essence, how you win or how you lose is more important than actually winning. And that is a thought process and a principle that is fairly unique to judo compared to a lot of other sports in the United States. Now, I came across an article on the Kodokan Judo Institute's website, which is kodokanjudoinstitute.org, and it talks about this. Uh, Specifically, Jigoro Kano, who is a founder of judo, wrote about this principle and idea. Now, I won't read the entire article, but there's a few lines from it that I'd like to read. So this is everything from here on out is going to be a quote. I'll let you know when I'm done reading. The true purpose of Kodokan is something far greater. In the dojo, we may become distracted by matters right before our eyes, such as winning or losing. So often we end up thinking about the rationale that a naturally occurs for winning or losing and neglecting our efforts to cultivate virtue in the space between them. Therefore, if we seek to fully achieve results by following the discipline of judo in order to cultivate the body, wisdom, and virtue, then we must make particular efforts to use our resources and engage in practice with that in mind. The matches between schools I have observed in recent years have made me wonder whether the participants have forgotten the lofty purpose of judo and mistakenly think that the purpose of judo lies in matters right before their eyes, such as winning or losing. If one wins, one must win in accord with the way, and if one loses, one must lose in accord with the way. Even if one loses while acting in accord with the way, there is greater value than if one wins by departing from the way. One aspect of judo is the discipline of competition. At the same time, judo is a method for training the body and cultivating wisdom and virtue. As these disciplines result in a greater strength in competition, judo must also achieve these other purposes. Now, maybe... In the 11 years that I was a judo student, I mean, I'm talking about prior to being an instructor or assistant instructor. My time in judo has been solely focused for preparing for competitions. A lot of the strategies taught to me were specific to winning competitions. And it's it has been this way at the clubs that I have been a part of and the clubs that I visited, which hasn't been a ton. I'd say maybe... Honestly, maybe 10 clubs tops that I've visited, 10 unique clubs. Every seminar I ever did, every club that I ever visited, by and large, the focus was on competition. And the drills and the exercises at these clubs were all in preparation for competition. One of the worst clubs I ever been at, 
the, the over the course of an hour and a half, I would say 60 of minutes of it was dedicated to conditioning alone. Then we do like 10 minutes of Uchikomi, another 15 minutes of Nagekomi, and then five minutes of Rondori. But the focus was conditioning to prepare for the tournament season. Now, personally speaking, I don't care how other clubs run their classes, but to me, I don't think that's an appropriate way to run a judo class at all, especially if you're trying to not only grow your club, but get more of an interest in judo for by by the general population. I mean, think of it. What if in that club that I had been at, now I happen to be a brown belt at the time, but what if it was somebody's first day in class and all they ended up doing was push-ups, sit-ups, duck walks, bear crawls. They do all of that for an hour. What, what would be the impression that they're left with? Well, I would think that a beginner, somebody who's first day in class, they would think, well, why would I pay to do this when I could just go to a gym and do this? I want to I was interested in learning judo and, and all I really learned how to do was duck walks and bear crawls and, and very little of anything else of value. And I think this focus on competition by so many clubs out there is alienating the, the general population. And I think that's evidenced by when you look at the number of adults who do judo versus the number of adults who do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Now, I'm going to be talking a a lot about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu on this particular episode, but I admire Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I admire what they have done and how they have reached out and managed to reach out to the judo population, uh, or I'm sorry, not the judo population, the the general population, because there is a serious problem within judo and retaining their adult members. Now, when I've visited Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu clubs, there have been clubs over the years that I've I've been a part of for short periods of time. In in fact, my very first exposure to grappling ever was Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu up in up in Boston Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I I actually used to roll with Kenny Florian way back when he was a purple belt. We're talking about the uh the the late 90s, I think around 98 or so. But I'm not I'm I'm not going to get into the story of how I started judo. Maybe one day I'll tell that story, but just want to point out that even for judo Dave Roman, my first experience was Brazilian jiu-jitsu when it comes to anything grappling related. Now, one of the Brazilian jiu-jitsu clubs that I was a part of was a great local club around here called Ebor City Jiu-Jitsu. I'm not advertising for them, I'm just any jiu-jitsu guys uh, happen to be in Tampa and you want to find a good place, go there. They're they're a great bunch of people, great club, um, I, and I, I had a good time when I was there. But anyway, what I wanted to point out with that particular club, everything they did in class was specific to building jiu-jitsu skill. Every single drill, every single movement, Everything that they did was specific to building Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu skills. I don't think I ever did a push-up or sit-up in that class. I certainly as hell, sure as hell didn't do any bear crawls or duck walks in that class. Because 
that stuff was completely irrelevant to actually developing Brazilian jiu-jitsu skill. And I would argue the same way with with judo, push-ups and sit-ups are completely irrelevant to developing an actual discernible judo-specific skill. Now, you want to talk about moving with chikomi, shrimping, mat pulls, that's completely different. And, you know, the one thing that I wanted to talk about is some of the differences in how jiu-jitsu schools are ran versus judo schools. And, you know, going back to the jiu-jitsu school that I was a part of, you know, jiu-jitsu charges in general a lot more money for their membership than judo. This this place happened to be very reasonable. But these people going to this club was getting their money's worth. And, you know, I, I feel that in a lot of the clubs that I was at as a student, you know, some of these some of these warm-ups being 40 minutes of conditioning, I mean, that's not what I paid for. You know, especially when some of the classes are only an hour and a half long. Now, when I, when I was with my main judo coach, I, I never did push-ups or sit-ups. I, everything that we did in judo was building a specific judo skill set. And, and I think some of that in a lot of the clubs that I had visited was was lost. And, none, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about my club uh, that I'm currently assisting at. Um, but for adults, for paying adults, I don't think that approach to running a judo club where you're having a lot of conditioning drills is, is appropriate. Especially when there's a lot of adults out there like myself who, who do conditioning outside of the club. I, and, I, and I feel that judo... And its focus should be on learning judo. Because when you have specific push-ups, sit-ups, bear crawls, duck walk, all these type of stuff in, in a judo class, well, then it, it you get this sense that you're preparing for something. When I feel that judo is hard enough for most people that that should be the exercise, not adding anything else to it. And look, again... I'm not talking about, you know, real competition clubs. I'm not talking about the the Japanese national team or 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 USA Judo and and Pedro's Judo Center's competition team. I'm not talking about those guys. I'm talking about the people out there who are average Joes like me, who are just who just aspire to just get better, get, get fit learn a skill set, learn some self-defense, do something fun, be a part of a club, make friends. That's what most people want. Nobody, okay, not nobody. Most people who walk through the door and step on the mat have no aspirations to be a world champion, national champion, state champion. They don't care about that. They just want to learn how to throw people or or maybe choke somebody out or or, you know, learn... A, a, a valuable skill set that can that they can carry with them for the rest of their lives, like Ukemi. But my frustration lies not with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because th- there's something about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that attracts adults, and I wish I knew what it was. I'm going to spend a little bit of this podcast maybe trying to discern what that may be. So a lot of this I'm just kind of thinking out loud now. I know jiu-jitsu, when it first got popular about 20 years ago, 
it was largely because of the UFC. The early UFCs, which I don't know if any of you have watched. I watched them not right when it came out, but but shortly when it came out on VHS. If you guys, some of you young people may not even know what that is. But I watched them when it came out in VHS and I was blown away. To see Hoist Gracie do what he did in the octagon and and win that tournament fairly easily, um, relatively speaking, easily. I was I, I think everybody in the United States was blown away by that. Now, when you actually look back at the UFCs, he didn't do anything that separated himself from judo. Everything that he did in the in the octagon in those early UFCs, it was all judo. It was it was nothing special. So I, I know nothing special in terms of Something that he didn't do things that was discernible and specific that make Brazilian jiu-jitsu unique. He he did chokes and 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 arm bars and techniques that people have been doing in judo for over a hundred years. But you know what's funny is I, I, I do remember back then when I was going on news groups, people were kind of a lot of old older judo people were kind of up in arms and just kind of screaming, he's just doing judo and, and calling it something else. And but it doesn't matter because that was the birth of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu's growth in the United States. And that growth has been has enjoyed a 20-year rise. And I don't see that stopping because, you know, I mean, it's constantly out there. And I think the ties to the UFC and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um helped spearhead its growth, but I don't believe for one second today that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is pos- is popular simply because of mixed martial arts. Yes, I know a lot of the a lot of the mixed martial arts fighters out there have a base in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but it's not like there aren't fighters out there who don't have a base in judo. I mean, think of Ronda Rousey, think of Fedor, think of Carl Parisian when he was fighting regularly. There have been other mixed martial artists that have had a base in judo. So I don't look at the UFC and mixed martial arts as a whole as being some kind of advertisement for Brazilian jiu-jitsu anymore because straight up jiu-jitsu stopped working in the UFC years, 15 years ago. People started changing. They started changing their tactics. And now MMA is its own thing. And I've always argued that it's I mean, MMA stopped being style versus style like back in the in the 90s. It's mixed martial arts is its own thing. So, and I talked about this in a podcast weeks ago that when I look at Ronda Rousey, I don't see her as somebody representing judo. There, She's a mixed martial arts fighter. And when Kayla Harrison, if she ever steps into the octagon, she's a mixed martial arts fighter. She doesn't represent judo. She doesn't represent judoka, in my opinion. So, a lot of the people that sign up for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu today did not even watch the early UFCs. You can't tell me that that a, a, a 15 or, or 20-year-old signing up for Jiu-Jitsu today is doing so because he watched Hoist Gracie you know, beat whatever his name was 20 years ago on, on an old tape on YouTube. That's not why they're signing up for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu today. And on top of that... Even with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu's close ties to mixed martial arts, especially in the early going, 
most people signing up for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu have no aspirations to be an MMA fighter. And they probably don't have any aspirations to be a Jiu-Jitsu fighter. They don't have any aspirations to compete at a high level or even at a state level. They don't, I'm not saying that they don't compete ever, but that's not what is driving them to be at school, at, at, do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. There's something very inviting about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu clubs that Judo as a whole has failed to provide. And, you know, it's a little frustrating to me. Again, I, I keep bringing that word frustrating because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu clubs are filled with adults. And they are filled with adults who are just recreational Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu players. And there is a sense of camaraderie and and unity at those clubs that is very again you almost feel like you're part of a family and i i don't i don't see that in a lot of judo clubs y- you know and these people are recreational they're and i'm not saying all ju- uh, jiu jitsu clubs are like this obviously you got places like american top team that have a competition team that they, they do other things like you know they have an mma gym they probably have a wrestling coach there but i would venture to guess a lot of their membership even at a member at american top team i would think that perhaps a lot of their students you know maybe not most but a lot of them are also recreational they just want to be recreational and train with some of the best but there's a lot of jiu-jitsu people out there, high-ranking jiu-jitsu people, people have been doing it for years, that are not pressured to do competitions. Joe Rogan is a jiu-jitsu black belt. Ed O'Neill, as maybe some of you remember him as Al Bundy from Married with Children, he's a jiu-jitsu black belt. How many tournaments have they been in? How many tournaments have they won? How many tournament points do they have? I would venture to guess the number is zero. But in judo, that stuff matters a lot more. Now, every time I meet a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, player, uh, whoever you want to call it, do you know what I see? I see a judoka. Or I see somebody who has what it takes to be a judoka. In my opinion, a lot of Brazilian jiu-jitsu players are cut from the same cloth as as judoka as far as I'm concerned. They have what it takes. They have the the toughness. They have they train in a similar way. They they have the in, intestinal metal. They 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 have the mindset that every time they step on the mat, they know they're going to be choked. They know they're going to be armbarred. They know they're going to be leg locked. And they know that they're in for a battle no matter who they're going to face, whether it's a as a white belt or or a purple belt or or even a black belt or even the instructor they know that when they step on the mat they're they're going to be pushed and they're going to be tested and to me that's no different than judo so i know there's some judo guys out there um that have made the claim that you know jiu jitsu guys don't don't bother with judo because you know because judo's tougher i don't buy that for a second i think judo has a steeper learning curve but I don't think judo is tougher. I don't think jujitsu guys, maybe in their mind, they, they may be afraid to take a fall, but I don't think taking falls is tougher than 
than anything that they do in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Because most of the time, when I'm thrown, the impact is not much harder. I mean, we're talking about a little bit harder than a solid sweep to mount. So if you're if you're in somebody's guard and they sweep you to a mount position, you know, but they do it really fast, that's about the impact in most throws. I don't know if jiu-jitsu guys realize that, but that's about it. If you if you learn to take your falls properly, the impact is just a little bit more than that to be honest. Yeah, there have been times where I've been blasted by guys, but you know, I I like to point this out to my students that over the past 11 years, at minimum, I I actually calculated this once, at minimum, I have taken over 120,000 falls, falls between practicing break falls and and being thrown by somebody else, whether in practice or in Rondori or, or in Shi'ai, you know, competition. I've at minimum taken... 120,000 falls. That that's a very conservative conservative estimate. And I'm fine. I've had injuries in judo, but they're not because of falls. So I know jiu-jitsu guys can do this. And when I look at you guys, I don't I don't see somebody as being they do you do a different sport, but I don't see you guys as practicing really different techniques. You practice different positions and your sport dictates that you have to do things that you don't have you have to face things that you don't face in judo. And in judo you you have to face things that you may not see in jiu-jitsu. But look guys, at the end of the day, triangle choke in in jiu-jitsu is the same in a triangle choke in judo and in an armbar uh is the same in judo as it is in jiu-jitsu and 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 certain collar chokes and certain you know rear naked chokes that's all in judo so to me you guys are judoka just practicing under a different set of rules and with a lot more adults than i practice with so judo guys are not tougher than jiu-jitsu guys in my opinion i mean you guys are put in very physically stressful situations you know, with with stress on your neck, stress on your back, stress on your joints. I mean, you know, this idea that, oh, I don't like taking falls or whatever. I I, I think that's a silly idea if anybody actually thinks that or or says that about jujitsu guys. You know, but despite what I'm saying, despite my opinion on your, on jujitsu guys' toughness and abilities and work ethic there it's it's all as good as judoka there in my experience there is really a strong aversion for jujitsu guys actually trying judo or doing judo and they will say that it's too hard on the body i i've heard jujitsu guys say that but i i think a lot of the not all of it but a lot of those claims are unfounded i think jujitsu is hard on the body too and i it makes me wonder if like since jiu-jitsu has a lot of practicing beginner adults and intermediate adults, by intermediate I'm talking about blue blue belt level, you know, but I wonder if of all of those people starting jiu-jitsu, if they looked on YouTube and saw a flow roll and think, oh, hey, jiu-jitsu is pretty safe and, and it's not that impactful on the body at all. Uh, and don't get me wrong, jiu-jitsu is safe, but judo is safe too. But even when these beginners come to a jiu-jitsu class 
and they see that it's not just a little a, a, a light flow roll and just practicing a couple arm bars and stuff. They see that they got to be tested and, and and prove their worth and and fight people who are bigger, stronger, better than them. As far as I see, they still stick around. A, a lot of them do at least till till you know sticking around till blue belt. Now I know jujitsu. I know people have talked about jujitsu having an attrition problem when it comes to getting the purple belt and above, but Look, a lot of jiu-jitsu clubs are filled with white belts and blue belts. And they manage to stick around. But I can't tell you how many times I've seen jiu-jitsu guys come to a judo club. They check it out for you know a couple of weeks or maybe a month. And, and then they leave and go back to jiu-jitsu. But I tell you what, I can't tell you how many times. Actually, maybe I could tell you. But it's been a lot that I've seen judo guys go to jiu-jitsu and they never come back. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating to me. There's that word again, frustrating. That's going to be the key word of the day, frustrating. At least the key word of this podcast. Because just about every single training partner I have ever had that I that helped me get better went to jiu-jitsu. Even my own judo coach, uh, once, our, once our club closed because of lack of membership, and and a bill uh, inability to pay all the bills. Once that club closed, he went to ju- he went to jujitsu and never turned back. Now, he he did start up a a a judo for jujitsu class, but it wasn't it wasn't specifically ju- you know, learning judo techniques for Brazilian jujitsu. But once he did that, w- once he went to jujitsu, he never went into a judo club again, ever. Even his daughter, who was who was once a an elite athlete, uh, she she trained at uh, Jason Morris's club for years and was one, uh, one of their uh, top athletes for you know, a long time ago. Even she quit judo. She was my favorite training partner of all time, and she quit judo. Some of the some of the guys that I brought in from another judo club into the into my club and introduced them to my instructor. They're all they're they're actually they're all at the same club. Um, well, except for my instructor who unfortunately passed away, uh, last November, that's, that's another story. I won't get into that, but you know, my judo coach, my training partners, the, the people that I love training with, they're gone. They, they went to jujitsu. I mean, do you know how rare it is for me to come across another 30 year old or 40 year old that, that actually sticks around to do judo? A lot of those guys, once they hit 30 or, or so, the, a lot of the lifers in judo, the ones that started when they were kids, g- growing up and, and did all the competing and stuff, they switched over, they switched over to jiu-jitsu as they gotten older. And judo has a very serious attrition problem to and these are you know these are these are people going into jiu-jitsu that have rank in judo that that um could really contribute to judo in a positive way, but it's almost as if they are facing an impossible hill to climb. So it's almost like, well, if you can't beat them, join them. And I'm not talking about beating them physically, but it's a lot with such a lack of people who are older doing judo, all you have left is Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And those clubs are filled with adults. Like I said, 
it's rare for me to see somebody in their 30s, 40s, 50s do judo. And it's even rare, it's more rare to find somebody who does judo that's anywhere near my size. A lot of, for whatever reason, I've, I've found that judo tends to attract big, strong guys. I don't know what it is about it, but it tends to do that for whatever reason. But, but you know, as I'm talking about all of this, it's my impression and opinion that judo has a perception problem in the United States. I've seen Google Trends, and I actually read an article about this uh, a couple months ago, um, that in the the United States and even in the UK, the trend for online searches for judo is trending downward while the trend for jiu-jitsu over the past, I think, 10 or 15 years, these, these comparisons, is trending upward. And the only time it ever spikes is for the Olympics. So in the United States, if it hasn't been become this already, Jiu-jitsu is way more popular than judo. And, and, and that's a sad reality for me because I'm losing training partners. I'm losing people that I can get better with. And, you know, th- there was a time that I haven't really talked about this, but after my club closed in 2013, I decided that I was pretty much done with judo. I mean, I, I've talked in, in, in past podcasts where I've recently come back to judo. I keep saying, yeah, I've recently come back to judo the past six months or so. Well, prior to that, I didn't really do judo for about a year and a half. I, I was part of a jiu-jitsu club, and then uh, I had an unfortunate turn of events. Uh, personal Something personal happened in my life, and I, I, I really had to stop. But for a time, I lost complete interest in judo because... As a 42-year-old 42, 42 shodan, as a student, there's really nowhere for me to go as far as what I can see. Most judo clubs are filled with kids around here. And the focus on advertising is for kids. My own judo club that I assist and teach at, the only adults there are myself and the, and the sensei. Your sensei. And that's it. Everybody else are kids. I mean, I, I I got my sons to do judo with me because I wanted somebody close to my own size that I can at least do something with. You know, and oddly enough, in my observation, Brazilian jiu-jitsu clubs have way more adults than children. So it's it's flipped. But when I look on social media and Facebook sites and, and websites... Brazilian jiu-jitsu clubs, the the IBJJF, they seem to be more in tune with getting the word out on social media. They're better at it. There there are some judo clubs websites out there that look like it was designed in 1998. And and, and some of the other some of the jiu-jitsu sites out there are obnoxious with all the flash and and stuff. That's some go a little bit overboard, but a lot of judo websites, social media, it's its just not as popular. In fact, the IBJJF's Twitter has more followers than the IJF. I mean, this is not good for judo's growth. Certainly not good for judo's growth in the United States. It's my I remember one of the first tournaments I ever took part in, the Sunshine State Games, uh, they had to rent out a big hall 
or it, it was more like an arena that they used because they needed all the space for all the mats. Well, years later, they're not needing that kind of size because there's just not nearly as many competitors. Now, I haven't been to the Sunshine State Games in a number of years, but the last time I was there, I was I was um, I was assisting with the with the the tournament in terms of running it. But it's just there just wasn't as many competitors. So there may be a couple of judo clubs out there that have tremendous growth, but I have to think that if there are jujitsu schools in the same that occupy the same area as judo schools, the jujitsu schools schools are going to have more people. And as I was kind of alluding to earlier, I think judo has a perception problem. And I know this podcast this podcast is running a little long, but you know, hey, I took a week off last week, so you're going to get a longer one today. But I want to talk about some of the perceptions that I think judo has out there in the general populace. I may be wrong on some of these, but I don't, I really don't think I am. So one of the perceptions out there is that judo is primarily a martial art for children. And when you look at the advertising, when you look at the web pages, when you look at the Facebook pages, what do their pictures predominantly show on the front pages? They show kids. Now, there's nothing wrong with kids, obviously. I mean, I, I, got, I got two sons and stu- two stepchildren. I love children. They are the future of, the, of, of judo. If you can get an interest in, in kids doing judo, you, one would hope that that interest will carry through the rest of their lives. But I, I'm not sure if it will. In, in my experience in visiting clubs, most of the kids... Not only are they featured more on the website, most of the kids, well, most of the clubs are filled with kids. When you look at the difference in adult participants versus child participants, it's far more kids. And, and, and in a lot of clubs, the only adults are the instructors. And in my experience, the opposite in, is true in, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, that it's filled with adults. And yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'll touch on this more in a bit. I want to go through some of these these items that I think are the perception of judo, and that 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 I think is harming judo's growth in the United States. A lot of people perceive that judo is just an Olympic sport, and I think in the average uh, judo club, there is far more pressure to participate than in your average there's far more pressure to compete in the average judo club than there is in the average brazilian jiu-jitsu club that again that is my experience between the clubs i have been a part of and then participated and visited over the past well since i've been doing jiu-jitsu longer not doing jiu-jitsu longer my experience has been longer over the past 16 years 16 no more like 18 years that's been my experience that there is less pressure to compete in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's been my observation. Um, and I'll touch on this a little bit more later. But again, I want to go through some of the points. Um, because some of these other, the first two items being primarily for kids and for that it's primarily a sport. I want to talk a little bit more about this in length. Judo is too Japanese. And I think that's a fair observation i think that's a fair criticism um at many judo clubs 
you call the sen- you call the instructor a sensei regardless of whether or not he's really a sensei. Now, sensei. I don't like being called sensei at all. I don't think of as, as myself as a sensei. I'm simply a, a judo student that teaches. That's what a, a shodan is. And, you know, I, I would prefer that the kids call me just by my first name. I don't want to, I don't like being called Sensei Dave. I, I would pr- rather be called Dave. Um, but, but in a lot of judo clubs, it's expected that you call them a sensei. There's bowing on and off the mat. There's bowing to everybody, everybody else before you start. People count in Japanese when they're doing their, their, you know, each knee, san, shi, you know, doing the exercises or push-ups. They count in Japanese. I really don't know why. I mean, we, we, we speak English. This is America. And I'm a proud American. I mean, what can I say? I am a I don't think there's any need to count in Japanese. We're not Japanese. You know, in some clubs, there's an opening and closing ceremony. Uh, and, and I think when you look at the typical Brazilian jiu-jitsu club, at least the ones that I've been at, they're very laid back. They're very relaxed. It, it has a more, quote-unquote, Western feel to it. If it, you, you know. Now, I, I know there's there are Brazilian jiu-jitsu clubs out there that are more formal and they have more opening and closing ceremonies They have more formal practices. But the one guy that comes to mind is, is Roy Dean. He has a more formal and more traditional approach to teaching Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But, but heck, we're talking about Roy Dean, a, a very well-known, well-respected Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor. So that's why I kind of feel, I, I don't, I, I think judo in the United States tries too hard to keep its roots as a Japanese. Now, we, we have to use the terminology, in uh, the Japanese terminology, so that we're all talking the same quote-unquote language. But a lot of the other practices, I think, could and should be done away with in the United States. But that's very, it's a very controversial point of view for some people, and, and some people would probably curse at me for even suggesting that. But that's how I feel. I, I think judo needs to separate itself from Japan and, and, and make it its own. I mean, jiu-jitsu clubs, they don't, count in, they don't count in Portuguese, right? I mean, come on. The other perceptions, I think I'll, I'll touch on them briefly. Some people think, people perceive that judo is too hard physically. And, and I really don't think that's the case. Especially when you consider that in the United States, apart from baseball, basketball, you know, football, soccer for kids. The United States is very big on on freestyle wrestling. And the United States has, has done very well in freestyle wrestling. So it's not like Americans as a whole who would have any interest in Brazilian jiu-jitsu are somehow soft and can't handle judo. A lot of them come from wrestling backgrounds. And a lot of wrestling techniques, they are found in judo. A lot of colleges and universities have wrestling teams. I mean, certainly more so than judo. And, you know, this idea that judo is too hard physically. Well, if judo is too hard, so is wrestling. But I don't, I don't hear anybody ever say, oh, wrestling's way too hard. I'd rather do jujitsu. Well, you know, but and I'm going to touch on this a little bit later as well. But I think wrestling has a similar issue when it, uh, w- with participation as it does in judo as you get older. But, but 
with wrestling that's expected. Um, but I'll talk about that a, a, a bit. And I've already talked about this before that, you know, conservative estimate on falls I've taken is well over 120,000 in judo. And I'm perfectly fine. No, no uh, broken bones. No, none of that. I mean, I, I've been injured in judo, but it's because of other things, not because of the impact on falls. And my last bullet point or, or thing that I think that um, a perception that people have with judo is that it's too hard to learn. Now, there is a steeper learning curve to judo compared to Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but I, I think there are ways that judo as a whole can fix that. Now, and the thing is, is that with Brazilian jiu-jitsu, after six months to a year of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you have some pretty good skill. I mean, you can roll. I mean, certainly somebody who's been doing uh, jujitsu for a year, three times a week, will give me a good run for my money on the ground and, and, and maybe be able to submit me. I, in case anybody cares, I, based on people I've rolled with, I, I don't do jujitsu, so I'm not good at Brazilian jujitsu, but I can hang with, with a lot of blue belts that are out there. Your, your regular recreational blue belts that are out there. That's about my skill level on the ground. But after, after six months to a year of jiu-jitsu, you know, a newbie that walks through the door, you're going to be able to tap them out in like 10 seconds. Somebody that has no, no knowledge of jiu-jitsu. But in judo, after a year, with the way that it's commonly taught, you still suck. You're, you're, somebody can walk through that door and, it, and it's hard for somebody who's been in judo for a year to only a year to throw somebody who walks through the door because that person who walks through that door has been walking and doing everything that they can to not lose their balance and to not fall. They, 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 as soon as they learn how to walk, whether it's at six months or well, not six months, years old, but usually around, you know, anywhere between eight months and, and a year and a half, most children learn how to walk. So ever since they started learning how to walk, they've done everything that they can to not fall down. So everybody that walks through that door in a judo club has spent a lifetime learning how not to fall down. So they're going to resist being, uh, being thrown and being tripped. So naturally, they've just been training their whole lives not to fall. So they're going to be harder to throw. Um, where in jiu-jitsu, nobody spends any length of time wrestling on the ground. For the most part. So those are some of the items that I think judo suffers from with a perception problem. I'll recap them very quickly. It's primarily a martial art for kids. It's only Olympic sport. It's too Japanese. It's too hard physically. It's too hard to learn. Those are the so-called knocks that people may have on judo or the perceptions that they have on judo. I think these perceptions ultimately harm judo because... For the most part, those perceptions are reality with how judo is today. And, you know, like I said before, don't get me wrong. You need kids in judo and starting kids in judo at an early age is important, but not for winning medals and not for getting them to compete and not for increasing your club's profile and your club's medal count. I I mean, judo is a recreational activity that should develop the body, the mind, the self-esteem, and 
develop most importantly friendships and 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 a a common group of people that you can call a family, a second family. Heck, for some people that you know may have lost a parent or something like that, it might be the only family. And that's how it should be for kids and adults. But when you look at the way judo is marketed on the internet and on social media, not only is it focused for kids, it's focused for competitions. And in the message, the inherent message out there is for somebody who's 30, judo's not for you because you'll never be an Olympic champion. You'll never be a state champion. So, but the kids have a chance to be all of that. I remember my judo instructor telling me once a long time ago that of all the clubs that he's visited, and he's visited a lot more than I did, that every sensei that runs a club believes they have a next Olympic champion. And I think that's absurd. They they think they have the next national champion in their club. And I, I think that's patently absurd. And it, and it shows that the focus is problematic. And when you... There are kids that like to compete. That's great. But having such a focus on competition, and especially when there's a lot of kids who don't want to compete, I think it alienates them. And they may be done with judo because they're no good, because they're losing. And from the quote that I talked about, that I shared earlier from, from Jigoro Kano, winning and losing should be secondary to the real objective of competition, and really shi'ai, which is testing your skills and, and learning how you can get better and facing your fears. Because listen, you know, in judo, there's, which, which is a good thing, there's no medals and there, there's, there's no participation trophies in judo. There are winners and there are losers. And when you lose in judo, it's, it's a very embarrassing way. I mean, think about it. Everybody's watching you. And when you lose at judo, you're lying flat on your back. Uh, tip, uh, you know, especially as a kid, whether you're getting held down and being controlled by somebody or whether you get thrown, you land flat out your back. You're, you're, you're staring at the ceiling and everybody's watching you while somebody threw you, you know, which is why I don't think the focus should ever be on winning and losing and, and ranking points or anything like that. There's, there's always going to be kids out there that want to pursue that. And that should be cultivated, but not at the expense of the other kids who just want to get out there, roll around, throw their friends, um, and have a good time. And it's the same with adults because a, a lot of the instructors out there run their adult class just like they run their kids' class. And they adults have to be taught differently. This is one thing my instructor taught me. Adults have to be taught differently, and and they have to be they have to be guided differently, and the focus has to be different. And you know, having such a focus on training for competition, I, for especially for adults, is it's just not right. Unless those adults want to compete, then you need to provide them that avenue. But the focus should not be on competition. And I, I think if you focus it on competition, by the time a kid turns into an adult, 25, 30 years old, well, what's the point in competing in judo if they don't because it's become a competitive thing. It's it's not become something that you can do recreationally and have fun. It's become competition. And you know, when I when I see people like, you know, Travis Stevens, for example, 
you know, great judoka. He, he had a fantastic run in the Olympics. Go on his Twitter page. What what's what's his profile picture look like? It's him in a Henzo Gracie shirt. I mean, he's. I'm not saying he's quit judo. That's not what I'm saying. But he's moving on to Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Kayla Harrison is moving on to MMA, and this is not an uncommon path. When Nick Del Popolo retires, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up going into Brazilian jiu-jitsu because the focus has been in their lives has been competition and beyond 30 for these people, it seems like judo doesn't have anything left to offer. And, and, I, and I think I'm not trying to speak for them, but that's just my observation. I, I think that's a shame. You know, and it seems like, you know, when it comes to growing judo and 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 uh, and trying to get more adults in they have uh, the powers that be in judo for whatever reason have a very 20th century mindset uh when it comes to advertising getting their name out there giving people something to offer judo is not I mean, heck from what i gather what judo was when it was first brought over by the by the gi's coming over from japan um, after the war, because judo was very popular in in the in the fifties and sixties in the United States, uh, more so than it is today. And back then, I mean, judo was was tough, and 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 but I have to believe that the goal wasn't really medal chasing back then. It was it was an activity that that people could do. And, and granted, I I think the curriculum was tougher and more. It was more Japanese for sure. But times have changed in the United States, and I think a lot of instructors still hold on to a lot of the old things that their old sensei taught them, who learned from another sensei who learned it from Japan. Well, you know, I, I think instructors need to make judo, need to cater judo to adults more, for one, and, and it needs to be something that people can relate to in this country. Now, you know, in, in talking about Travis and, and, and Kayla, you know, I'm not bashing them. They, they, they are athletes. They're looking to make the most amount of money they can with the short amount of shelf life they have in their athletic career. Um, I mean, you know, Travis Stevens can have a very lucrative career as a Olympic judo uh, uh, medal winner and the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. In fact, I I can't think of another Jiu-Jitsu black belt who who actually won a, a an Olympic medal in Judo. I, I maybe there's somebody out there in the world. I can't think of somebody who is a black belt in both Judo and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu who was an Olympic medal winner. I mean, Travis could probably charge at least two hundred dollars an hour for private lessons, and he could open up his own jiu-jitsu club and 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 have a line of people going out the door and around the corner if if he were to pursue opening his own club as a you know as a gracie affiliate but if he were to open up a judo club yeah he, he'd get some interest for sure but nothing like he would get in brazilian jiu-jitsu so i'm not criticizing him or or, or kayla for pursuing their respective careers that's that's just the way it is and it's a shame that it's that way. And I, I think 
well, I'm not going to blame anybody, but I think the powers that be have, have in their own way ruined judo's growth. Not necessarily ruined judo, but its growth. Now, the other, the other part that I want to talk about, judo being just an Olympic sport, that, that perception, I think, harms judo. And I, I kind of liken it to freestyle wrestling. Have any of you ever heard of a freestyle wrestling club where you got a bunch of 30 and 40 year old guys and, and even older getting together to hang out and, and, and wrestle? I've never heard of such a place considering how popular uh, wrestling is in this country. I've never heard of that because, I, I mean, I could look online for wrestling clubs and I don't think I would find it because it's almost expected that once you're done with your wrestling career, that's it. It's over. You move on to something else. It was a sport and maybe you volunteer at your local high school to teach wrestling, but, but that's it. Once you're done with your competitive career, it's over. And, and I think because wrestling is an Olympic sport that it's almost accepted that there is a shelf life there. And I think people may look at judo and think the same thing that, well, judo is just an Olympic sport and you have a shelf life and that's it. Once you're done, you either become a coach or, or you quit. And it's that way with, it's that way with most sports out there that anybody that are popular in the United States, you, you got a shelf life. And and once you're done competing, you, you move on to coaching or that's it. But judo, I've said it many times, judo shouldn't be that way. And it's losing people in their thirties and forties. You do have people that join like me, but I'm an anomaly. Uh, I mean, uh, people like me are joining judo after 30 are an anomaly in my opinion. It's not that way in jujitsu. And remember one time talking to a, a, another judo sensei who visited my club um, that I was training at for many years. And he asked me how old it was and how long I've been judo, doing judo. And I told him, yeah, I'm 32 years old. I started judo about a year and a half ago. And he was like, wow, that's so great. Like, like I was just some freak of nature or something because like, like something he'd never seen before. It was, it was kind of odd. And, you know, sadly, from what I understand, he doesn't even teach judo anymore, which is unfortunate because, you know, it goes to show you that my opinion, judo is dying in the United States and it's dying because I think Brazilian jiu-jitsu again has tapped into something that judo has not. It's easier to learn jiu-jitsu in the beginning. Now in the higher ranks, you know, once you get past purple belt, you, you, you gotta, you gotta roll a certain way or else you're just not going to get, you're not going to progress. It's not automatic rank, uh, you know, I, I think I think any functioning person can make it the blue belt in, in jiu-jitsu. But jiu-jitsu has a way of teaching that people can relate to and pick up fairly easily. And I think for judo to become more popular with adults, they need to do the same thing when it comes to some kind of a curriculum. And, and not focus it on competition and not focus it on grip fighting, all of this kind of stuff. I, that stuff can come later for people who really stick with it and are more experienced. But I actually think the judo curriculum needs to be completely reworked in the United States to get people to do things and see for themselves that, yeah, I can do judo and the learning curve isn't as steep as I thought it was. Because, I, I mean, judo came naturally to me. But I've seen a whole bunch of people flame out 
because judo was too hard. And it's not that Americans aren't hardworking. Americans are very hardworking. I mean, we take less vacation than anywhere anybody else around the world, It's so it seems, at least in the industrial world. And Americans are hardworking, and we are willing to put in the work. Um, so long as we see some kind of progress or even some kind of recognition, that's not true for everybody, I get that, but a lot of people need to see progress or they start wondering, well, what's the point? And in judo and in jiu-jitsu, rank is a form of progress measurement. It's a recognition of, of your ability. And just thinking about this out loud, I one of my harebrained ideas here is, you know, maybe for ranks like for Goku and, and Yonkyu, which typically is yellow belt and green belt, we have a very specific curriculum that focuses on ukemi and nawasa and, and and certain throws and tachiwaza as well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you don't include throws, but I'm, I mean a very specific curriculum. Show me you can do these falls. Show me you can do keisukatami. Show me you can do um, tate shiogatami. Show me that you can do uregarami and you get a yellow belt. Give people something that they can learn to do, and they can and, and they can see that they're progressing and getting better, and then promote them. You have a certain a, a literal specific set of criteria when you can do this, this, and this, then promote them. Don't include Rondori. Don't encourage them to compete. And, and you know maybe you have a curriculum where to you can get yellow belt in three months. And then six months after that, you can get a green belt. And then another six to nine months after that, you can get your Sankyu. Now, to, in my opinion, at Sankyu, that's the rank where students need to start separating themselves from just being able to do a series of techniques in class and start stringing them together in Rondori and such. Now... Again, I'm talking for the general populace because, look, Osotogari is not easy to do it correctly. Iponseanagi is not easy to do it correctly. And, and a person can spend a month or two trying to do that technique and getting frustrated because it's, it's just not right. It's just not coming together. Coordinating your body to do a throw is very difficult because there is not a natural thing that one person does in you in in their day-to-day lives that relates to judo but when it comes to nawasa you know you show them case katami and they're like hey i can do that you show them uregarami which is which for you jiu-jitsu guys that's americana or or kimura you show them you show them that and like hey i i can do that and look at this i'm applying pressure and making that person tap out I'm I'm making progress. I'm getting better. I I'm learning something. And I think if you structure the curriculum in a way that there are achievable goals, especially in the early going, people need to see that they're making progress. Um and I think jujitsu does a good job with this by with stripes, but I think judo could do one step better and and make it a curriculum like this is what you do, and this is what you need to do to get promoted to yellow belt. And again, I'm not saying you don't teach throws, but 
what I'm saying is that perhaps to in the early going, having them focus on Ukemi and Nawaza will build a skill set that they can carry, carry with them throughout the rest of the ranks. Because a lot of ways, judo is, is, judo is not taught in a lot of clubs in a very structured and detail-oriented way. My judo instructor taught me in a detailed and oriented way. We would spend like one month on Harai Goshi. All the different, now I was a brown belt at the time when I got to this club that I spent the most amount of time with, but we would spend one month on Harai Goshi. We would do nothing else but Harai Goshi and learn the different entries and, and different grips that you can um, do with Harai Goshi. And, you know, those throws were, those throws are, uh, you know, the throws that we did that with, Sayanagi, Tayatoshi, Osorogari. Those are throws that we spent a lot of time working and those are throws that I do really well. Now, there are other throws that I can do and and there are even more, there are other throws that I can do in Rondori and even more throws that I can at least demonstrate to a class. But my instructor focused on developing certain throws for me. He didn't pick them. He just, well, actually he did pick them, but he didn't pick them because I'm, I'm, I'm a short and lean person. Um, he picked them because that's what he felt that I could learn quicker and string together with other techniques. But a lot of times, you know, at a lot of clubs, we come in, we, we just randomly pick a technique and, and that's it. We practice that and then go fight, go run Dory. And there is, I love clubs like that as an, ex, an experienced judoka. Hey, you know, let's go to a club. You know, it, it can be random if I'm an experienced judoka, but I think it needs to be more structured when it comes to beginners. And especially for beginners, no mention of competition. In fact, I don't think anybody really should compete until they hit Sankyu and, and they, they are starting to show that they can do Rondori. And I'm, I'm not saying if a white belt, you know, if they want to compete, that, they, they, that somebody should restrict them just because they're a white belt. But the pressure to compete should not be there until... Well, there shouldn't be pressure to compete, period. But you know, I don't even think competition should even be brought up to beginning judo students, especially if they're adults. Because going back to what Jigoro Kano said, accordance with the way overcomes winning. Doing judo and strengthening your body, getting better at techniques expressing a mutual welfare and benefit of others, helping others get better, working hard, you know, improving your self-esteem. Those are the things that should be focused on in judo, especially for beginners, especially for beginner adults. And and again, don't get don't get this twisted. I'm not saying do away with competitions. Shi'ai is very important, but it has to be put in its proper context. And Shi'ai, the purpose of it is to test your ability and, and to get better yourself. It's not winning and losing needs to be secondary unless you are aspiring to be a national champion, which again, very few people start out judo saying, I want to be a state champion or I want to be a national champion. It just doesn't happen. You know, and these are some of the things that I almost quit judo permanently because 
I'm frustrated with with a lot of these type of things and the lack of adult participation in judo. It's frustrating. And I almost quit. In fact, I did quit. When I was about 39 years old, I said, you know, once this club is closed, I'm done. I mean, because every other club is focused on competition and I'm I'm not going to get better there. And they're going to expect me to just be a coach. And and I'm done. Judo has nothing left for me as an old guy anymore. I've passed my expiration date and I have nothing of value to offer. That's how I felt at the time. I'm, you know, after a year and a half and after doing jujitsu and stuff, quite frankly, I missed judo. I, I, I missed it. It just throwing somebody with skill and timing is, is like nirvana for me. It's, there's nothing in jujitsu that does it for me quite like that way. So like, you know, doing some beer and bolo and, and, and getting De La Riva guard to, to triangle choke, that doesn't do it for me. I mean, it's it's great to learn those skills, but um, to me, that's like I'm just learning a skill, and it's it's a good skill set to have. But it doesn't getting that tap or that choke just doesn't doesn't do it for me quite like throwing somebody effortlessly. I mean, to me, that is just a wonderful feeling, and you feel like you've done something really beautiful to look at and really beautiful to do and to watch and and all that stuff and. I'm glad I'm back now. I'm glad I'm back assisting. And I, and I do have a renewed passion for judo again. But, you know, w- when I visit Twitter pages, when I see Facebook pages of jujitsu clubs and see, you know, on their club page or their main profile page, like 50 adults in the class, and they're all trying their hardest to cram together to make it in a landscape shot, no less. It's disappointing. It's disappointing when when there's not one other adult student in my own club and I have to travel far to find anybody else who are adults and and, and a lot of times they're they're young 20-something year olds that I can't hang with anymore. Very again, very rare to find somebody who does judo that's anywhere close to my size and is anywhere close to my age. And the ones that I knew that were, they're in jiu-jitsu. So so my feeling is I'm going to stick with judo. I'm not going to quit judo and go to Brazilian jiu-jitsu because if nothing else, I would love to be the example for others to see that yes, you can keep doing judo into your 40s and you can start later in life and find success. Well, not necessarily success, but find enjoyment out of doing judo recreationally. And I, I've said it before, when it comes to my sons, I will never push them to do competition. I could care less. I want them to develop skills. I want them to develop their physical bodies through judo and and help them be a part of something and do something with their old man that they'll always carry with them for the rest of their lives. Whether they stick with it long term or not, um, that's what I want to give to them. So that they'll always have a memory of of doing judo with me, and it'll carry with them. You know, when I was when I was a kid, my dad used to take me to the shooting range, and my and we used to shoot pool. And and now, while I don't go to the shooting range uh, very often to practice, and while I very rarely play pool, these are memories that I have of doing things with my father. Um, and I never did any of those things competitively. 
I just played pool recreationally. And you know what? If I can clear a table, I, I'm, I'm happy about that. I could care less if I enter a competition and win a, a pool championship or whatever. I, I never even, I, I, I've never competed against anybody, never played anybody for money. I, I just had fun doing something recreationally and and being a part of something and, and same with shooting you know I, I i would go to the gun range and and shoot with my father we'd meet people there and you know you you you're a part of a club but i didn't i was never pressured to to shoot you know competitively I, you, you could be a part of something and not compete but still get plenty of enjoyment and plenty of skills out of that and i hope that as I stay in judo and as I teach that at the very least for any of the students or any of my sons or, or the people that I may come across visiting other clubs that they can see, look, you know, there's a guy that, you know, he's still just a shodan, He's still just a student and he's still doing, he's still going strong into his forties. He's still going strong heading into his fifties. And I would like to keep doing this for the rest of my life. And I can still, get better at judo even if my physical skills start to decline like i'm not as fast as i used to be so i can still get better through regular practice and and really if i could find people who are close to my age doing judo that'd be a great thing and especially close to my size it would be really nice but like i said it's like finding a needle in the haystack it's a very rare thing well you know i've talked a lot about this issue um, if you've made it this far, I salute you. If you want to chime in with an email or, or like we talked about earlier with a voice memo on this subject, I really love to hear from you. I would love to hear if anybody from other countries go to a, a, a judo club that's filled with adults. I, I love to hear your experience on that. Share that, share that, um, keep any voice memos you send. If you would, please keep it to a minute, no more than two minutes. Um, because it, it, I think, you know, just to send something in, get your point across and, and, and keep it short would be great. So that way I could respond in an appropriate way. Um, judo chop suey show at gmail.com. I, I would love to hear from you guys on this subject. If you want to hit me up on Facebook or, or Twitter or, or Reddit for, for all you freaks out there on Reddit, um, I'd love to hear what you guys think and what your experiences are, especially the older adults, what your experiences are with judo as an older adult and getting older, whether you feel alienated or not, whether you feel included or not, whether your club really feels like a family or whether your club feels like it's, it's dying. You can be anonymous. You don't have to give me your name. Um, if you give me, you can give me a fake name, but I'd love to hear where you're from. You know, let's say, you know, George from San Francisco or or uh, Lestat from Germany. I don't know. Something. You know, you can make it up. You can, you can be anonymous. I will never reveal your email on air. So if you... You want to put somebody on blast on, on, on a memo. You want to put me on blast. I will never, ever reveal who you really are via email or anything like that. So you can be rest assured I'm not going to do that. But I'd love to hear your opinions on this. Um, this is my opinion. I could go on for another hour and a half on this. I, I won't. But, you know, in short, I would say that 
the powers that be in judo need to take a look in the mirror and ask themselves, not only what have I done to get judo at this point in the United States and how can I change to be have judo be more inclusive and more appealing to the American public? Because I, I said it before, I think everybody should be exposed to doing judo. Um, and I, I think clubs should be filled with adults. I think judo clubs should be filled with adults. And and again, I, I think there's something about judo that alienates the average American person that the average American person finds something appealing in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I, again, I don't believe it's because we take falls. I, I, I don't believe, I refuse to believe that. In this country, in a country that's pretty strong in wrestling, I, I, I just, I, 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 I have to think it's marketing. I have to think it's this, the laid back attitudes that, that um, jiu-jitsu clubs tend to have and it laid back in a good way, you know, like a, you know, let's hang out at the beach type of way, kind of be laid back, you know, get your work in, you know, have fun. Let's hang out after class. It's just um, jujitsu over the past 20 years have tapped into something that judo has completely missed out on. And I don't know how to fix it. I think I've identified it. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if I can fix it. You know, one last thing that I think judo suffers from is, how would I put this? Not so much that it's too hard to get promoted, but there's a lot of red tape when it comes to promotions. Even right now, as, as a showdown, I can promote somebody to EQ, but then I got I to gotta submit that paperwork to the official, you know, USA Judo. I got to submit that paperwork to the state board. Somebody has to approve it, this and that. I should be able to promote somebody to EQ, which is first brown. That's the rank before black belt, but uh, rank before showdown. I should be able to promote somebody EQ and not have to answer to anybody about it. You know, in jiu-jitsu clubs, you know, the one that I was going at, they've promoted a few people to brown belt. Um, the head instructor has promoted a few people to to purple belt and, and certainly a lot of people to blue belt. I don't think he submits any paperwork to the IBJJF to get some kind of certificate uh, cert- certification or rank or anything like that. The instructor says, hey, you're a purple belt, you're, you're a brown belt, and you get promoted. And, and that's the end of that. That's who you are. And in judo, it's not that way. There's a lot of red tape to get through to get promoted. And I don't think that red tape is necessary anymore. Because you're not, I know there are some fake jujitsu black belts out there that parade around with a black belt. They say they're jiu-jitsu black belts, and they get outed pretty quickly. And I think the same would happen in judo. The judo community is so small that if somebody were to be out there perpetrating that they're a judo black belt and they knew nothing, nobody would believe that person. So I, I think something that judo could improve on is eliminating a lot of the red tape. Now for for fourth degree and up, um, that's a different story in my opinion. Um, but... But for for the Shodan, Nidan, and even Sandan, you know, I don't think there should be red that much red tape. Just hey, 
You're a Sandan, congratulations. You're a Shodan, congratulations. Go open your club and, and, and spread judo out there. I can't open a club right now without going through a lot of red tape. If I wanted to, I have no desire to. But if I wanted to open up my own club, couldn't do it. I, I, I'd get backlashed or, or something because I, I'm going against the machine, I, I, I guess. But in jiu-jitsu, you know, you, you, somebody get promoted the purple belt, the brown belt. They want to open up their own club as an affiliate. Hey, go right ahead. Best of luck to you. Make a lot of money. Spread the word of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You know, in the name of Helio, Horion, and Hoist, you know, I salute you and go start your own club. It should be as simple as that, and it's not. I think judo could change in that way. It won't, but I think it should. I think it should be, I'm not saying it should be easier to get rank, but I think if somebody who is higher ranked wants to promote you, they should just make you that and, and nobody question it, you know, unless, you know, you're, you're perpetrating out there as a fraud and you can be found out pretty quickly. And that's it. I, I mean, again, I could go on more about that, but I think it's time for me to end this podcast. If you stuck around this long, I really appreciate it. I am very grateful for the amount of interest I've had in this podcast. I'm very grateful for everybody that's given me a chance, sent me words of encouragement, and it keeps me going. And And I'm glad to be back. I plan to be back next week doing another podcast. It will be shorter since I'm not taking a hiatus. And I can't wait to talk about um, the Paris Grand Slam in a couple of weeks. Um, that podcast might be a little delayed because I will want to talk about the results. Not delayed. I'll, I'll probably be delayed in recording it and hopefully I'll get it published uh, two weeks from Tuesday um, so that I can express my thoughts on that particular event because I'm really curious to see what happens. But I really appreciate you checking out the podcast. I hope you have a great week. Great rest of the week anyway. I hope. I love you Train hard, stay safe. I'm out. Open Gangnam Star.